Our Old Testament reading this morning comes to us from Isaiah chapter 7. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring on you and on your people and on your ancestral house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please remain standing for the reading of the gospel. The scripture reading for today is from the gospel according to Luke, chapter 1, beginning with the 26th verse. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and she came and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your wound and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, 
the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is her, the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. central figure of Advent, next to Jesus, of course. Jesus is the center. But the central figure of Advent, next to Jesus, which would be Mary, his mother. Now, anybody who knows me will tell you that I have a pretty high interest in, in Mary. And the reason for this, I want to share this with you, is because of my study of the New Testament. I remember very uh, several years ago, I was reading the letters of Paul, the letters of Peter, letters of John, New Testament stuff. And I began noticing that, you know, Mary is never mentioned much, if at all, outside the Gospels. But I started noticing, like, even in the letters of Paul, these verses that sounded very much like Mary, they're Mary-esque. Like, for instance, Paul writes in his letter to the Colossians, he says something like, let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Let the word of God dwell in you. Hmm. In another place, Paul says, God has made known to us the mystery of the gospel. And the mystery, Paul says, is Christ living in you. So that's interesting. And then in another place, I could go on. There are dozens. I might write a book on this. Uh, in another place, Paul says, you know, your bodies, your bodies should be like a temple of the Lord, a dwelling place for God. So I noticed, like, well, you know, Mary's not mentioned there, but don't those verses kind of allude to her? Because if you think about Mary, Mary had the Word of God. Truly, Jesus, the Word of God made flesh, dwelling within her. She had Christ living within her. In our passage, she's overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, and her body becomes kind of a dwelling place of the temple of God. You know, that's what her body was. All the things that we are called to be, so I started noticing that if you think about the person of Mary, and she was just a human being like us. She wasn't a goddess or anything. If you think about it, that she really is the shape, the form of what following Jesus looks like. And it makes sense. I mean, Mary was the first disciple. She was the first person to hear the gospel preached. She believed. She was the first servant of the Lord Jesus Spent 30 years of his life, first 30 years, serving the Lord. I mean, all the things that we're called to be. So this just fascinated me, and I always thought she was just Catholic. That's a joke. Um, so, you know, in our time that we have today, what I thought we would do today is kind of a little bit of a tour. Um, we would just go through this little exchange that Gabriel, this archangel, has with Mary. And I just want to point out to you just a couple of things that I found noteworthy 
And I will spend most of my time really on the first few words out of Gabriel's mouth, uh, things that I think are, are interesting. So uh, Gabriel appears to Mary, and the first words are, greetings, favored one. Now, I got to tell you, this is a modern translation from the NRSV. Um, the older translations actually get the Greek, the original language here, a little bit better. He doesn't just say, greetings, favored one. If you read the Greek, it sounds something like this. It sounds like, hail, full of grace. Hail, the one overflowing with grace. That's a little bit more punch than just greetings. Hey. No, it's more like, hail, full of grace. It's very formal, this hail. That's why she's perplexed with this greeting. What? Uh, if, you, if you look and in, in study history, the, the same word Gabriel uses here that, that could be translated hail, that we translate as greetings, was the same word that was used to greet the emperor, the Roman emperor, when he would come into a city. People would say, hail, Caesar, hail, Caesar. It's a formal, official salute, actually. Um, in our country, don't we have for the president, when the president gets off Air Force One, isn't there like hail to the chief? Is that right? Yeah, hail to the chief. So it's this formal salute. Now, here's what's interesting to me. I don't know if it'll be interesting to you, but hail, a salute. We tend to salute people like in the military or other places that are superior. They're not inferior. They're our superiors. They rank above us. We, we salute these kinds of people. And if you think about Gabriel, an angel, angels are higher than all the other beings. We, we, human beings are, are ranked lower than the angels. You kind of can go up a, a ladder. And, of course, Gabriel is an archangel, which means he is at the very top of the angelic realm, the angelic hierarchy. And yet he salutes Mary with this formal hail as though she is higher than Gabriel, that she's higher than the archangel angel. That's interesting to me. There is another way you could translate this word uh, hail. You could also translate it as rejoice, 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 praise, rejoice, full of grace. You could translate it that way. I won't dwell on this, but I do love that this is the very first sermon of the gospel ever preached by Gabriel. And the very first word ever preached about the gospel was a word that you could associate with joy. And that's the gospel. And I'll say this for another sermon, but if you've got the Lord in your life, and if you've heard the gospel, you've got joy, joy should characterize you. But I'll save that for another time. But joy is a theme, right? It's a theme of, of Advent and Christmas itself. Okay, so Gabriel says, hail, we have favored one. It really is hail, rejoice, full of grace. Hail, full of grace. What's important about that? Notice that Gabriel uses this phrase, hail full of grace, as though full of grace is Mary's name. I mean, imagine me coming to you going, hey, full of grace. You know, it's like it's, it's her name. So if you read the Greek, it's like, hail full of grace, the Lord is with you. Hail full of grace, the Lord is with you. As though full of grace is her title. So Mary has been given by Gabriel here this title, and her title, her name is Full of Grace, Overflowing with Grace, Always Having Been Overflowing with Grace. Now, 
if you study the scriptures, if you've ever taken a class, you know that this is not unprecedented. Lots of people get different names in the Bible. You know, Abram becomes Abraham. You know, Jacob becomes Israel. Jesus will rename Peter, his disciple. He will rename him Rock. You are, your name is Rock, and on this rock I will build my church. And right here, Mary is given this name, and it is, her name is maxed out with grace. It's her name. Now, what is grace, everybody? I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Grace, when you hear that word, is simply the life of God within you. You could say that grace is the Holy Spirit. You know, it's, it's just the life of God. And, and Mary then, according to Gabriel, she is favored. She is so full of grace because she's got like the fullness of God's life in her. It's like the Holy Spirit, the full measure of the Holy Spirit is within her. That is her, her title. And, of course, this makes sense because it would be because of Mary's body, you know, full of grace, that she will be able to conceive within herself Jesus, you know, who is the Word of God made flesh for each of us. My point in saying all this is that it is God's desire. It really is God's longing to fill you and me with grace. God wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit. He really does. And, 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 and there's, there's one thing that we have to know. If we want to be filled with grace, there is a formula here. You want to be filled with grace? Here's the mathematical formula. To be full of grace is to be empty of yourself. To be full of grace. You want to be full of grace? You've got to learn to empty yourself. You ever heard that expression? I hope no one's ever said this to you. I, I think people have said this to me. You ever heard that expression? You're so full of yourself. <laughs> You're so full of it. You're so full of yourself. You know, and, and, and what do people mean by that? You know, they kind of mean, you know, you... You just think you're all that. You know, you, you think you're the center of the world, of the universe. You know, you think, you think it's all about you. It's basically what people mean by that. And that's, that's my point. See, there's really only one thing, one thing, everybody, that prevents God from filling each one of us with his grace and with his Holy Spirit. And that one thing is our egos. It's our egos. Most of us live, I've said this before, I'm repeating myself, most of us live in what's called the ego drama, the ego play, you know, where life's about me. I wake up every morning and go, oh, oh you people are my supporting cast. I'm going to use you to, I'm going to get noticed. You know, I, I, it's going to be about me, my life, what, what I want, the ego drama, the ego drama. We're, we're so full of ourselves and we think that we're the center of all things. There was a preacher who, I thought this was funny. There was a preacher who says that, you know, the reason Jesus had to be born in a barn, because there was no room for him anywhere else, the reason that Jesus had to be born in a barn with livestock is because he didn't have any egos to contend with there. <laughs> Cattle don't have egos. Like, God really does want to fill us with his life, with his grace, with the Holy Spirit. And yet, we, we get in our own way. And I'm going to tell you this. If you and I seriously can get up and begin thinking, Lord, you know what? I'm sick of living for myself. I don't want my life to be about me anymore. I really want my life to be about you. Help me get out of the way. Bam. You know what will happen? God will then begin to fill you 
with grace, with God's own life, with the Holy Spirit. We just have to get out of our way. John the Baptist, he's another figure at Advent. If you read in John's Gospel, I love what John the Baptist said. He was pointing to the Lord, and he says, This man, Jesus, Jesus must increase, but I must decrease. That's how it works. If we can say, Lord, my life is not about me, I'm decreasing myself, what happens is that Jesus will then fill us with Jesus' own life. That's that's how this works. So, filled with the favor, the grace of God, if you would have met Mary, I was telling this to somebody else uh, earlier this week, if you would have met Mary, she was full of grace, that basically means that she had no ego. Uh, This was someone you would have met who was just full of the life of God, full of the love of God. She would have just willed what God willed. She would have wanted what God wants. She would have realized that her life is not about her at all, and that's why we can remember her to this day. Just imagine if she was going to be, it's all about me. We wouldn't, we wouldn't know Mary at all. Uh, one of my favorite preachers, Fulton Sheen, he was a uh, preacher on TV. He was, he was magnificent. He died in the 70s. But I love how he described Mary. He says, you know, Mary was like a flute in the hand of God. And if you think about a flute, inside of a flute, it's it's basically empty. It's it's hollow, and yet its hollowness, its emptiness, permits breath when it's blown through it to produce this beautiful sound. See, that's exactly what God wants to do with us, everybody. God, if we can empty ourselves of our egos... We'll become empty, but yet the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, will then be able to flow through our lives and will produce this beautiful music, this beautiful sound. The more of myself, the less of God. The more of God, the less of me. Okay. Gabriel says, hail full of grace, as though that's her name. And then, of course, what's his last few words? The Lord is with you. Friends, there's your gospel in a nutshell. The Lord is with you. Isaiah says his name should be called Emmanuel. That means God with us. With you. Uh, Sam Wells, he was the dean of Duke Chapel years ago. I remember a sermon he preached, and he says, you know, really the most important word in the Bible, and even in our own lives, is the word with. With. That's like really important to us. As you get older. Don't you care just to be with the people you love? You know, in times of grief or pain, it's all those people who are just with you, with you, that that you are so thankful for. Mary is told, the Lord is with you. And of course, if you think about Mary for the rest of her life, the Lord will be with her, but she will also be the one with the Lord. Jesus said to his disciples at his ascension, remember, I am with you always. The Lord is is with us, and that's the good news. Mary was with the Lord for the rest of his life. She was with the Lord at his birth. She was with the Lord as he grew up. She she cared for him. She watched him grow. She was with the Lord during his preaching ministry. And, of course, she was clearly with the Lord as he hanged upon that instrument of death. You know, Peter and all the other disciples, his friends, most of them, they just left. They were gone. They abandoned him. But Mary, his mother, she remained with the Lord. 
I was thinking some time ago, the last words of Jesus on the cross were, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? I mean, for our sake, Jesus went into the very depths of God-forsakenness, abandoned, this experience of being abandoned by God, and yet he was never abandoned by his mother. She was right there with him. The Lord is with you. And you are with the Lord. It's what we want. We want to be with the Lord. Okay. Last thing I'm going to say very quickly about that phrase, the Lord is with you. I think you should know this. I won't spend a lot of time on it. But that phrase, the Lord is with you, that appears in various places in the Old Testament. It is said to Moses. It is said to Gideon. It is said to Jeremiah. It is said to Jacob. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Whenever that phrase shows up in the Bible, it always means something like this. The Lord is with you, that's good, because now you've got a job to do. So when Gabriel says to Mary, the Lord is with you, what he was saying is, you're going to need the Lord to be with you, because now you've got a mission, should you choose to accept. But you've got a mission. See, we want the Lord to be with us. That's not just a source of consolation and warmth. If you want the Lord to be with you, and that's the gospel, you got a job to do. You, like you have a mission. The Lord's with you to accomplish some job, some task that he's assigned only to you. Well, what's my mission? I don't know what my mission is. How do I find my mission? You want to find what your job is for the Lord? Well, then Mary shows you how to do that. What does she say in response to all of this? She simply says, Okay, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Whatever you want, I don't care. Whatever you want. All Mary did was say, yes. Okay. And then her mission began. And notice that Mary did not place any reservations, any conditions on her yes. She, she just said she yielded everything, not just her intellect. She yielded her body. She yielded her, her, her soul. She yielded everything into that yes, yes, Lord. And I, I got to ask you this as I wrap this, this, this sermon up. This is important, I think. It's Advent. Like, have you ever, have you ever done that? Have you ever said yes? Whatever you want, Lord, that's what I'll do. Have you ever done that? I mean, have you ever sung the hymn, you know, take my life and let it be consecrated unto thee, which sounds very much like Mary. Have you ever said yes to the Lord? And the reason I'm asking you that is because when it comes to the gospel, you see this over and over. It's either yes or no. I mean, to say something like, well, yeah, I mean, when the time is right, that's a no. You know, when I get my life together, when I get my degree, or when I retire, that's a no. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice, Rush fans. To choose not to decide is to make a choice. Have you ever really said yes? Now, most of us, maybe like me, here's where I rank. I'm kind of a yes, Lord, but I'm kind of a yes and sort of Lord. Like I'll say, Lord, here I am, but 
can I be in charge of my life still? Or I'll say, yes, Lord, whatever you want, Lord, but, but I, I, I kind of like my stuff. I kind of like my comforts. See, that's the place conditions on the Lord. You know what? I, I've told this to someone uh, earlier this week. This, is, this has been my prayer for a while. You know what I think we need, you, you and me? I just think we need some courage. I think we need some courage. I think we need the Holy Spirit to overshadow each one of us. And what we need to be praying for is that we want our yes to God to keep expanding until it truly becomes a unreserved, I don't care what happens to me kind of yes that Mary spoke here. We need to, we need to pray like John Wesley prayed. You know, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, you know that prayer of his? It's called the Covenant Prayer. I'm going to paraphrase this for you. Powerful prayer. You should go Google this. The Wesley Covenant Prayer. Wesley says, Lord, I am no longer my own but yours. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. Let me be full, let me be empty. I freely and heartily yield all things to your disposal. Now, brothers and sisters, that's a yes. That's the kind of yes that Mary uttered. We need the courage to do that. See, it's Advent, it's Advent. You know what the theme of Advent basically is in a a sentence? The theme of Advent is, friends, we don't have all day. Time's short. Look, it's, it's already Advent again. Can you believe this? We're all a year older. Just like that. Time is short. Say yes. And I'm going to tell you, if you and I can grow into this yes, whatever you want, Lord, your life and my life will become an annunciation. The Holy Spirit will descend upon us, and Jesus will be born in us. Just as Jesus was born in Mary. That's the Christian life. Yes.